0: During the campaign, I was running a coffee shop and then doing all the campaign work. Finally, now I am actually (laughs) working full time at an NGO, but prior to this, it was coffee during the day and then like taking down the government uh, in the evening.
1: Chained from law. Easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of Finterviews. I'm your host, Connor Finn, and this is a show where I get to chat to the most finteresting people I know. On the show this week, I sat down for a fascinating chat with the lovely Emma D'Souza. Now, if you're not from Ireland or specifically from the North, you may not be familiar with Emma's amazing story. Taking on the British Home Office and reaffirming the identity and citizenship provisions of the Good Friday Agreement and ultimately (laughs) changing the law so people from Northern Ireland, without process, can be fully accepted as Irish, British or both. We spoke about Emma's unlikely journey into law, politics and advocacy, her battle with the Home Office and the amazing work she's gotten into since with some very exciting plans for the future. Emma was so lovely and open and just generous with her time on the show. She has been through so much over the last... Five, six years, and just her story and what she's went through really struck a chord with me. So to get down and chat for all about it was honestly such a pleasure. But without further ado, please enjoy this latest episode of Interviews with the Brilliant Emma De Souza. Well, welcome back to another episode of Filter Views on the show. This week, I am thrilled to welcome on after some technical difficulty, <laughs> the lovely Emma D'Souza. How's it going, Emma?
0: Oh, pretty good. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, and everything's going well with yourself. I mean, it's Friday, we're winning. I mean, after this, do you know what? Straight out, enjoy the sun. Whereabouts are yourself today as well? Are you? You're up in Derry, are you?
0: Uh no, I'm in County Fermanagh. We recently moved um, out to County Fermanagh. We're currently just a couple of miles from the border so close that sometimes my phone network just switches and goes welcome to Ireland from my living room so (laughs) it's a it's been a a bit of a culture change too in terms of going from the city into the middle of nowhere um beautiful but an adjustment
1: (laughs) I would say so we're really chancing our arm with the wi-fi now I I (laughs) don't
0: even my husband's from LA so whenever we came out here and we moved out to Fermanagh and we were getting like Barely any internet, he was like, I can't live like this.
1: <laughs> Honestly, Carnage, yeah, everybody's back in the stone age here. Oh, tell me about it. Even I'm down in Dublin myself now at the moment. And even now, I swear to god, I thought everything's gonna be, you know, I'm in the Metropolitan, everything's gonna be running real smoothly. I forgot to take into consideration I also live with about five other people, so that's enjoyable. Uh everybody work from home. We see very much how how far we get through this interview without something creaking up like, but you know, fingers crossed, we've got our sets set head high, but I mean, first and foremost, Eva, um, here's us chatting away. God. Um, maybe do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, kind of what you're known for, I suppose, for, you know, maybe some people that are listed podcasts that might know who Emma um, D'Souza is.
0: Well, that sounds very <laughs> ominous. Um, well, I suppose I'm best known for reaffirming the identity and citizenship provisions of the Good Friday Agreement after taking forward. Uh, a somewhat well-known court case against the British Home Office Um, and in terms of my background and who I am well that would be a whole other conversation in itself but I come from (laughs) County Derry originally. Um, I'm married to an American, my husband's from Los Angeles and really falling in love with him is what caused us so much trouble um, in that he then (laughs) fell in love with here and we then began the immigration process and that got us caught up in a lot of Trouble with the Home Office, um, but prior to that, you know, I was not someone who was politically active or engaged in Northern Ireland like many young people at that time. I was quite disenfranchised from Northern Ireland politics because it can be so, you know, combative and divisive, <laughs> and I just had no appetite for it. And how that has changed now—you <laughs> know—I live and breathe politics, um, and uh, have completely, you know, my interests have changed a lot over the past five years through the litigation that we took. Um, In terms of my family background, you know, I'm known for reaffirming Irish citizens' rights and really taking a very strong stand on my Irish identity. Mm. But I do come from a family where there is a lot of complexity uh, around identification and that I have brothers and sisters who have Irish passports or British passports or both. And really all of us grew up in an environment where we were free to choose and be whoever we wanted to be um, outside of the constraints of of Northern Irish uh, politics.
1: Mm. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you wrapped it up uh, pretty much into one there. <laughs> gives a full, I mean, that, 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 that's better than, that's why I always ask my guests to be like, tell us a little about yourselves, because I would not um, have done that as eloquently, try to explain to listeners um, what somebody else does. A well, little probably would have been a bit insulting, uh, to be honest. But yeah, as you mentioned there, I suppose, that's where I first, you know, came into contact, uh, was whenever your case, court case, was coming up. Um, it was something that, obviously, in Northern Ireland, I like, I'm a wee man from Armagh, you know what I mean? Like, it was something that ende across the media, and it was something that really caught my attention, and so much of my generation and my friends' attention as well, I think, because... I mean, I'm a born 1998. You know, child of the good right? <laughs> you know, uh, do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely,
1: day. yeah. So hearing, you know, whenever this is all you're brought up with, you know, people talk about oh, back in the day it was something like this, and you know, things used to be this way, and then you're like, I'm kind of basically just living through like oh, you know, past stories, and you know, you're kind of being invested so much through different people's opinions of what happened. But realistically, you're not involved in anything that did happen. It was very much in the past. And it's something that I was lucky enough to really not have to deal with at all, really. Like, I mean, didn't get stopped any army checks and everything. But I mean, still, you know, (laughs) still like understand the banter of it all. But it was whenever your case came up, that was one of the most striking things I remember seeing in the media at the time. And just how much it really sparked an interest in particular politics and the Good Friday Agreement which I realised I hadn't really you know understood and read before and it was just through yourself and trying to understand this I was thinking this is mad that all things that happened to you were suddenly I mean best part of what like 18 years later were suddenly just being like nope yeet uh, (laughs) you guys are on your own like it was (laughs) oh my god I just madness for you I imagine these last couple of years as you said you probably didn't you know have any real interest in politics in Ireland you know similar to me like that's why I kind of moved away from the whole Irish whatever it is like I came down here thinking it'd be simpler it's not Um, (laughs) but I suppose the last couple of years for you have just been kind of everything been turned on its head as you said do you know what I mean it's uh you're very much part of that conversation now and such a you know Someone who's really stepped in spotlight for it all. How's that all been?
0: Yeah, it's been kind of mad. But you know, in many ways, I was a bit like yourself in that I grew up. Now I would call myself more of a ceasefire toddler than a ceasefire <laughs> baby. A little bit older there, um, but I grew up. You know, like many under the blanket of the Good Friday Agreement and under mm. those protections, um, and. I didn't have much of an understanding of the agreement outside of the basics. You know, Mm. I knew that we had a right to be Irish or British or both. And that was in my view, a great privilege that we had that Mm. flexibility and that right. And that was about it. (laughs) That's all I really understood. (laughs) And so whenever this um, happened in 2015, what really happened was I applied for my husband's immigration status as the spouse of an Irish citizen. And I was told by the Home Office that I was actually considered British. And that until I either decided to go in as British or mm. gave up this British citizenship, I couldn't access my rights as an Irish citizen. And back then in 2015, you know, we were quite naive mm. in that we thought, well, somebody at the Home Office clearly doesn't know the Good Friday Agreement and has made some kind of mistake here and mm. will all get very quickly fixed. <laughs> Once we appealed.
1: Yeah. That
0: was not what happened. Um, and in <laughs> the end, it took five years, um, which was the first five years of our marriage. Oh, um, my
1: gosh. You didn't even have we, a honeymoon period, Sherry.
0: <laughs> we, we did not. Um, although we snuck out after a couple of years and had um, had a honeymoon three years later, which was amazing. But the first two years that we were going through this process, they kept my husband's passport. They wouldn't let him leave the country. We had no freedom of movement. It was quite traumatic in that his grandmother became ill. She passed away. The home office wouldn't let him go home to see her. So there really was, you know, there was a lot of hardship and Mm. a lot of trauma that came from pursuing that case. And Mm. in many ways, that became almost a motivating factor for us, Mm. because once we had experienced such detrimental um, loss of rights we then were motivated to ensure that nobody else was going to experience something similar because I just couldn't shake the feeling that it was wrong as to what was happening. And a lot of people said to me over the years, oh, why didn't you just take the easy option and just you know, renounce British citizenship and get it over and done with? And my response would always be, well, why should I have to? You know, We're yeah. two decades past the Good Friday Agreement. This is an enshrined in international law why should I have to pay £372, declare myself as British, give up my Irish passport for six months and go through this bureaucratic process in order to be accepted for who I am? Um, And that was sort of my guiding principle. And after five years, we finally convinced the Home Office to change the law so that nobody in Northern Ireland now has to go through that process and can actually be accepted as Irish or British or both. And people such as my American husband are now free to live with their families in Northern Ireland, but boy, did it take some work to get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, like you can, I, I mean, coming as an outsider, you know, trying to understand this, um, and try, you know, trying to be keeping up through whatever media outlets were, you know talking about this, um, even like kind of trying to keep up with things like yourself. I start following you on social and stuff like this. It's just it's almost, you can, you. I don't think anybody will ever fully understand what you guys went through because it was just so prolonged. And for something, as you said there, it's like, why didn't you just take the easy route? My God, th- like, thank God that you had, you know, the, you know, <laughs> the sense, I think, well, just even like, it's something that I'm so grateful for, because I feel like people so often in time as well, you know, are kind of thinking, oh, it's not worth, you know, the battle or the fight of this, or it's not really worth things like this. But it scrutinises things that, you know, shouldn't, as you said, like, it's this shouldn't be a debate in the matter. It's something that <laughs> people should have really, you know, learned from past mm-hmm. the success. Like, let's not really, you know, try to undermine a, a, an agreement that's uh, quite indicative to peace process. I mean, even... Yeah. Like, as you said, like, we didn't really understand, you know, growing up. It wasn't, it was something that, you know, we knew from our past, but even now being down south, it's whenever I try to explain even what's happened recently up north, whatever, like this, people still don't understand half of it. And, you know, to see the way that institutions, especially that are, you know, operating in such full force and so many people I'm sure have had to, you know, Renounce their, you know, Irishness and, you know, give up those passwords, give up those rights that are so basic, but so indicative of, you know, who somebody is and so well hard fought for. Um, the, And the way that you guys kind of stood up for it is just like, honestly, I just couldn't get over it. And I still to this day, I'm like, thank God that you went through yeah. Even though, I mean, (laughs) shocking, shocking period, but yeah. I mean, that's very
0: kind. I mean, no one in my family was honestly surprised. You know, I've always been blind and stubborn. (laughs) And they were like, well, it's only the home office (laughs) knew.
1: They weren't at all worried. Yeah, they'd already seen you. They're being like, oh, they're in for a hard one now. Yeah. (laughs) But I suppose like before this, like, I mean, growing up, whatever, like, did you, I mean to get into I suppose you know going against the home office it's quite a big thing in the matter of it like I did you study anything like you know law or did was this ever a branch of route that you kind of as you said like because you had this kind of stubbornness or this kind of like oh they're bringing on their own fight it almost seems like that kind of sort of route would have lent itself to it but was that ever you know anything part nope. of your journey no no
0: nope. no nope. no nope. um Before the court case uh, well I traveled quite a lot when I was younger so Mm -hmm. I lived in New Zealand for a couple of years and I met my husband while on holiday in Los Angeles and um, when before the court case happened you know my when I look back and I think well what was I interested in back then you (laughs) know it seems like a lifetime ago when I really think about it Um, and back then. You know, I was working a lot. I had like an Instagram that was all vegan recipes and I was doing all this baking. I spent all of my time just making like delicious baked goods. And that was my interest. Mm. And uh, then suddenly I had no time to make any baked goods, which Mm. made my husband very sad. um, And that I stopped uh, (laughs) focusing on creating recipes um, and instead sort of focusing on law. So I had no background in law or in human rights or in politics, I couldn't even have told you, you know, what the inside of Stormont looked like at the, at the assembly. I just, I was <laughs> yeah. so completely disconnected mm. from politics um, and law, but I found that I took to it very quickly um, in that I, I find I had an interest in understanding the law because of it was my case. So I became very interested in, in the inner workings of how this came about in terms of studying the ECHR and British legislation and Irish legislation and now I am at a point where, you know, if you were to hand me a 500 page treaty, that would be like my weekend sorted because I'd <laughs> be so excited to sit down and read it. Um, and I ended up going back to university and doing a degree in politics, philosophy and economics. So really it did in a way, if there was to be a silver lining uh, put to put in it all those years, is mm. that it has completely changed my own career path and my interests and what I'm passionate about. But uh, my family weren't too surprised to see me take this route. They would have told you I could have argued that the sky was green or <laughs> anything that I wanted because I was always quite um, argumentative. I would I would say. So they always thought thought I would head in a direction where I would be doing that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the transition from you know vegan recipes you know baking all day to being like very much like Aaron Brockovich kind of story being like we're taking down the big man do you know what I mean like yeah. absolutely it's like it sounds like something that just like it, it sounds like a movie it, do you know what I mean it sounds like something that just like shouldn't have happened or like you know wouldn't have happened but thank god I mean and maybe that's why everybody I feel like in my own kind of like house and generation, was rooting for you as well because, I mean, it's 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 always you know you know the the big big guys and whatever like this. You can see big corporations or big governments, and these are the you know ruling powers. And as you said, like in Northern Ireland, there's so much just random like petty party politics and things that dictate people's lives. You know, even recently with you know same sex marriage and you know abortion rights, things like that, like that are so. It's, it's, easy can just be brushed aside, be like, oh, well, this is, you know, just what happens wherever like this. So whenever, you know, I feel like I have a similar kind of like, if somebody tells me that's not going to happen thing, um I very much, uh, I feel like we are similar personalities not where, where I'm like, mm, you picked the wrong battle. It's like, see, now I've got to chip my shoulder and uh, this is going to go down really badly. <laughs> um, you yeah, that pretty
0: much sums me up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, people often forget how much time I will put into this. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose as well, like, I mean, it's something that has changed your life completely and, you know, life, your family I, as well, I imagine, like, um, but I suppose, like, growing up, like, were there any, you know, character-building things that, like, maybe informed this kind of personality and person that you are today? Like, I suppose this is this is something I would ask, you know, in other interviews, you know, with people that are maybe in different jobs, back stuff like this, but I'm always just kind of interested, this, you're, just kind of what you're saying about your personality is, you know, you will be argumentative, you will do this, but I'm wondering before, this whole life, I mean, writer, you know, now in Irish Times, you know, vice chair of like votingrights.ie, what were the kind of jobs that you were doing beforehand, before <laughs> all of this, <laughs> that maybe informed the person that you are today?
0: Well, I suppose if I was to reflect on moments that might have um, built up my character as it is today, well, one of those would have to be the fact that I travelled um by myself Mm. a lot when I was younger. So I moved to New Zealand when I was twenty and I twenty Yeah, well I was that was after I had lived in London for a while and then I was like, well, this is not far (laughs) enough away from Northern Ireland, so I think I'll go to like the furthest point that I can possibly go, which is going to be New Zealand.
1: Other side of the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And um so I flew out there and I didn't have any contacts in New Zealand. I landed in Wellington without anywhere to stay or any idea what I was doing, but I had a two-year visa and I had a suitcase and I just, you know, went and and checked into a hostel, Mm. got a job that day and lived there for two years and created um, lifelong friendships in that time. Um, And I think that being there really cemented in many ways my identity as an Irish person because Mm. in many ways it takes being away to really find yourself in some regard, mm. um, and of course everyone that I met would say well where are you from and I would say I'm Irish so it really reaffirmed that for me and strengthened my character but also being someone who does um, or did now, now I'm married I don't travel by myself anymore but when I was younger <laughs> I traveled a lot by myself and I would mm. you know go out for dinner and maybe just have dinner with someone else who was there by themselves or, or meet people and travel alone and it made me quite an independent um, person that yeah. was confident in who I was. Um, and I think that that led to having a character of, of understanding a little bit about myself. And mm. then prior to that, in terms of work, um, my job, my background before this was all just in coffee. So I was mm. a barista and a cafe manager during the campaign. I was running a coffee shop and then doing all the campaign work. <laughs> Finally, now I am actually working full time at an NGO. But prior to this, it was coffee during the day and then like taking down the government uh, in the evening. (laughs) Which was, you know, so I can make a fine flat white. Uh, I have life skills there too. Um, And I guess it, uh, it also helped embed a strong work ethic but also a good a way of communicating because customer service, you learn a lot of these skills in terms of how to communicate with people and how to do <laughs> yeah. conversations. And that proved to be invaluable in my work as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially that, I suppose from traveling around that independence, I mean, really came into, and it's something that you just said there, like it's not until you move away that like, you really, you know, come into your own and you, do you know what I mean? Like you're here and you're sitting up by like, this place is shit, you know, the weather's terrible, whatever like this. I go away on holidays or even go down here and I'm just like the Emerald Isles. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like the land of saints and scholars. Like it's funny how much pride, you know, mm-hmm expats and Irish like have so much you know and it's respected so much I think around the world and especially that hard working attitude I mean you're saying oh you know just running the coffee shop or you know to work and doing these things oh my god I mean you want someone that can handle you know themselves um get somebody who's worked in the public sector for a hot second you will be able to handle home office (laughs) Obviously, you had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I've had difficult
0: When you've dealt with people that really, really need their half-shot decaf mocha latte with five sugars to be a certain temperature, and they're not happy with it, you can't deal with anything.
1: Mm. I mean, I've been told before I'm waiting jobs to shove a table up my arse. So, I mean, that in a sense, shouldn't I mean, everybody has their lovely character building stories. I mean, I haven't put it to any real good use. I think I'm just bitter from it. Um, but (laughs) I'm glad that at least in your situation, (laughs) it was able to, you know, really like, it was something that, you know, sustained you all the way through this campaign and just, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> it, I, I feel like that's very, very character building in a sense compared to anything else, you know, somebody may have just, you know, walked in something like this. Yeah, I, I always really love hearing about how people, you know, what the nitty gritty things that they've done to hone down what they have got to further now. But I suppose like as well from that, like you traveling, meet your husband, come back here, (laughs) and a bit of difficulty, Uh, (laughs) just some human rights issues, Um, but I suppose from all of this, like, (laughs) (laughs) this sounds like a stupid one to say almost, because obviously there's a standout moment that came from all the rest of this, you know, but have there been any major standout moments that, like, have came from this life in law and advocacy that you never thought could have happened? I mean, did you... I, I, like even now, like coming on from this, like is there anything that's kind of happened? I mean, did you expect yourself to maybe be in this route of being in law now or like what's the major standout things I suppose that have happened in this lifespan that you didn't think maybe could have happened?
0: Yeah, that's um there's definitely a few standout moments um that are actually a joy to reflect on um hmm. I mean, for me, The first real standout moment was the first time that I ever spoke at a public event and Mm. I was so nervous, um, like honestly, I could barely get my words out. And at that event um, afterwards, a lot of people in the audience shared the fact that they had been through something very similar. Mm. And I was really taken aback by how many people confided in myself and Jake in terms of their own experiences and it became really clear to me that day that her situation was not unique and that there were many other people impacted by it mm. and that I felt then a responsibility to try and bring forward change to help the other people that were affected. So that for me was a real standout moment. And I left that day and I wrote to all the political parties and was like, <laughs> I am going to Westminster. I'm going to hand deliver letters to the home office demanding that this gets sorted out and I want you to give me a letter. And that was the start of the campaign. Um, Before that, it was just, we were two people, we were going to court, there was litigation. That day was when a campaign then uh, grew from that. And then in terms of other standout moments, um, I think going to Washington was definitely a standout moment. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Like, I had just watched all of the West Wing, so it was especially uh, really quite exciting for me at the time. (laughs)
1: You're like, it's a fever dream. Like, what's happening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was amazing. And um, I met congressmen across uh, both sides of the house and some pretty big names like Congressman Richie Neal. Um, and it was just an amazing experience in terms of who I met there. I went back the following month because I was invited to the Ireland Funds Gala, which in itself was ridiculous that I was invited to go to. <laughs> it, and I was just blown away that I was a guest. <laughs> Um, yeah. And during that, the then Shock, Leo Varadkar was giving his speech on peace and reconciliation. And all of a sudden he says, and I believe Emma D'Souza is here tonight. Honestly, I was floored <laughs> that the Taoiseach was actually doing a shout out to me in Washington at the Arden's Fun Gala. So that was definitely a standout moment. Um, and then in addition to that, I met Hillary Clinton um, in New York. And since then she continues to write to me so that's been pretty spectacular um and actually I was watching her yesterday do a a speech at Queen so I have to write to her this afternoon and just tell her that she did really well um (laughs) so I didn't expect to develop these kinds of relationships with really quite spectacular people um and then of course the biggest moment has to be when we finally did change the law and since then hearing the stories of people who've benefited has made any hardship absolutely worth it. Um, I know there was a case last week where a solicitor got in touch with me to say that she had an elderly client who would have no way of staying in Northern Ireland with his family if it wasn't for the changes that we brought through. And now thanks to that, he can freely stay with his family in Northern Ireland. And that just is incredible to me to think that anyone's life was made a little bit better. I mean, not too many people get to do that.
1: No, I mean, Jesus, yeah, as you said, I mean, really globally, like, I think that's what one thing it's maybe struck If everybody is your story really hit home for so many people. And as you said, to be <laughs> invited to these things and be recognised in, you know, in areas of like politics with these heads of states and everything else. And just to hear, you know, other people like yourself, like, are that have kind of went through things that... You guys have all done and changed the law, like that's I mean, God, the start out moment. I mean <laughs> When's the book? Honestly.
0: Uh book is on its way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> it is. <laughs> Actually I have an agent um, in London and I have submitted my first two chapters and he's now shopping it around. I'm doing a book on how individuals can challenge the state and change the law. <laughs>
1: unsurprisingly yeah i mean there you go (laughs) i suppose i mean all the things that came out from this have i mean came from such hardship and i suppose from that like have there been any i mean maybe this isn't like maybe that's just stupid for me to ask but have there been any major horror stories that like came from working in this area i know particularly like i suppose with people you know around the communities i mean was there ever any kind of like backlash that you ever felt or especially you know a female trying to make her voice heard which is in a you know predominantly male egotistical kind of space like that i mean was there ever any kind of like parts like throughout all this that i mean weren't maybe as great even though the outcomes have been astronomical
0: yeah i mean of course when you're dealing with um Anything political in Northern Ireland, there is an ugly underbelly to that. That yeah. is uh, difficult to navigate. And mm. like many people who stick their head above the paraffin, I encountered plenty of abuse um, from people on social media. Now, thankfully, it never left uh, social media for me. I didn't. I never had a negative experience. Um, in my day-to-day life or in uh, in real life, shall we say. Um, anyone that I ever met or spoke to outside of these platforms was only ever there to congratulate me or encourage me in terms of what I was doing. But there was, of course, the negative aspect of having to push forward what you felt was right against a backlash of people trying to assassinate your character undermine what you were doing and of course there was plenty of it that was targeting me simply for the fact that I was a woman as well and I think that um, it was difficult in the beginning to adjust to becoming someone in the public mm. eye because of course I was just a nor- you know I'm a normal person like anybody else and I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not actually a politician um, so or a public representative yet I had to sort of give up my comfortable Um, obscurity and enter into um, a public space in order to achieve what needed to be done and with that I had to sort of give up a little bit of my own life to do it but I have three amazing dogs which are a joy and have always been a comfort. I used to joke in the early days because I had them they're all uh, a year apart so I used to joke at the beginning that I got a dog every year to cope with the negative (laughs) aspects of having to pursue the case but we stopped at three because they're quite big. Um, and then my husband Jake has been an incredible source of strength for me and he's really goofy so he always proved (laughs) quite comedic in helping me cope with any of the more negative aspects
1: yeah I suppose that's it as well I mean yeah there's always going to be some kind of backlash and especially as you said thank god that it was you know predominantly left online and stuff like that but yeah that's one of the things that like I feel like people completely forget that you basically had to, you know, drag your personal life into a public sphere was very much just being like, "This is us." Which I mean, unless you're really trying to be like, you know, an influencer or something like this, that's not a thing. That if you're like, I wouldn't even be comfortable, you know, doing all these things. That's why you invite people on to show chat about their lives. Because honestly, I'm still like, <laughs> somebody asked me about mine. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about, don't want to talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> so like. I just, the bravery, I suppose, in that, and even in itself, to kind of go like, frigga, if we're going for it, we're, you know, I know where I need to be for this. Like, but I mean, in the end as well, three dogs, hey, it's not too bad. Uh, just change some law. Easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, Emma, from this, just because I am conscious of taking up too much your evening and. Do you know what I mean? We can never really um, plan what way the evening is going to turn out um, in Ireland. But uh, this one, I feel like it'll be nice, but it's probably going to turn a bit worse later on. I suppose, to finish off, what, what, what does the future kind of hold for yourself? And Like, are there any, I suppose, big goals <laughs> that you want to achieve yet that you may haven't yet? I know even your mention there, a book, but like, is there anything else that now that you've you know, went through so much of a process that you're any other big, like, you know, things that you're being like, and take it out of the patriarchy, or is it very much? <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy the life that I now will lead relaxing.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh Well, I would say, you know, now that I've changed the law, I've got a little bit of a taste for it now. Mm. So I don't think I'll be... um be, be taking the, the more quiet uh, options going forward. At the yes, minute, I'm, I'm currently, <laughs> uh, currently working as the Women in Leadership Coordinator at the National Women's Council of Ireland. So in that role, I'm working to try and uh, get more women into politics. I'm also working uh, on the board of Fifty Fifty NI, which is also, you can guess, to do with getting more women in politics. So there's a bit of a theme there in terms of where I want to try and exert some of my... Um, expertise. So I'm working in that area, but then I'm also working as a writer for the Irish Times um, and other publications, and I have the book uh, on the way, also working with votingrights.ie and trying to bring forward um, the extension of presidential voting rights to Irish citizens in Northern Ireland and abroad. Um, and I'm probably missing something else that I'm doing uh, in between those things. In terms of uh, long-term goals, i um, I'm very happy in the rights and NGO space at present because my experience has taught me that you can often exert more pressure on politics from outside of politics. So Mm. I'm staying in that space for the time being. I'll be campaigning pretty heavily to try and get people out to vote for the assembly elections next year Mm. because they are going to be incredibly important in terms of The people that are elected to Stormont are going to be those who are going to cast a vote for maintaining or scrapping the Northern Ireland Protocol. And of course, if there is the possibility of a referendum in the future, whoever the next set of MLAs are, are going to have a really important role there too. So Mm -hmm. I would love to encourage people to get out to vote next year. So I'll be doing a whole campaign around that. I'm still working on trying to get wider legislative changes, such as a Bill of Rights and embedding more the citizenship and identity provisions of the Good Friday Agreement into domestic UK law. I just gave evidence this week to the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee, which was great, you know, because I got to talk about my favourite subjects, which is constitutional law and citizenship legislation and Mm. why... 23 years after the Good Friday Agreement, we really should have these rights in a way that is meaningful for people, instead of having to push and fight so hard to get them. Yeah. And in terms of long term goals, I would say it's only a matter of time before I do take the leap into politics. Um, so I'm sure there'll be bets on will I run with a party <laughs> or will I run independent? I'll give you... Um, I guess I'll give you a a head start in saying that uh, I would most likely be independent. Um, (laughs) And I think I would probably be running in the next five years. And then after that, I would say 20, 14 years from now, 12 years from now, 12 years from now, I run for president.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, that might... (laughs) So, um, looks like you've got your uh, schedule booked up. Jeez, I'm lucky I got you in for a podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my podcast, God. If
0: I had a perfect uh, plan for the future, mm, this is what it that's would what it probably is. look like.
1: My God, I think, Jesus. Yeah, I, now I'm thinking, I, I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner. Like, Jesus, even though, like, what I'm going to be doing the next five years. My God, Emma. I mean, I honestly, I say this with all the guests, come on. But like genuinely, I reach out to people. This whole kind of thing was set up just so I could like chat to interesting people I know. Um, I've always kind of lent into, you know, just chatting about people's lives and kind just always trying to humanise things. But often steered away from anything that was a bit too, you know, conflicting or something that I just felt was too heavy for me to handle. But your case and your whole story literally has just been something that i found over the last couple years i was like i need to meet you and i suppose just thank you literally just like for (laughs) doing the right thing um you shouldn't really have to tell people that but like honestly and with everything in the future i just wish you the best luck. because i my god like if this is what you've done (laughs) in this amount of time i mean yeah presidency here we come boys and girls you know what i mean (laughs) like oh honestly but emma for those I mean that maybe have just found your story today and you know just been listening, um, there are occasion, somebody's found you through coming through me. Where can they keep up to date then with everything that's happening in in in, in Emma <laughs> in your I, life?
0: Well, I suppose the best space to keep up to date with the variety of work that I am doing is on social media and primarily on my Twitter uh, channel, which is where I am far too much of the time. Um, <laughs> so the handle is Emma N D J D'Souza. It was initially created with the intention of representing me and my husband, but it very quickly became just about me. <laughs> Fair
1: enough. <laughs> he can make his own kind. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> but
0: anyway, but that's the best place. We do have a website as well, which is, um, weareirish2.com which covers more of the campaigning work that we're doing around embedding Irish citizens rights in Northern mm. Ireland.
1: Oh my gosh well honestly uh, thank you so much for coming on to the views it's been an absolute pleasure and I hope you enjoy your Friday evening and the weekend. <laughs>
0: thank you so much it's been a pleasure. <laughs>
1: no worries Emma here have a good one see you later bye. Thank you so much for tuning into Finterviews. If you enjoyed the episode this week, please do remember to give us a like, share, subscribe and a five-star rating on whatever listening platform you're on. Honestly, all that stuff really does help. And you can also follow me on socials. I'm on everything. Just search Interviews or finterviews podcast online. And yeah, you can give me a follow and you can also get in touch and let me know who you would like to hear me chat to next on the show. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in and chat to you later. Bye